I got a good question to open this po- to. Yeah, to wait till Derek's ready. I think that's what. Breathe is. some life into this podcast. I'm ready. You recording. Everybody recording. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right, guest Hiro, take the reins of the grand gesture. Hiro from Marcus played and Sober Cinema. Just get that okay, out of the so way first. Let's do it. Okay, so I, this movie obviously was terrible. You ladies are old enough now. I'm not going to pull any punches here. Your father has run off with his little Swedish secretary and moved back to Sweden. Are you okay? I'm a wreck. He doesn't live here anymore, Denny. He doesn't exist. What do you mean he doesn't exist? Guess what? You're a baseball star. Talk baseball. I don't want to talk baseball. You used to be my idol. Now I think you... Boom! I think you just hung up on our last listener. Where's mom? Upstairs, taking a shower. You want me to dry your back? What are you doing? I didn't see much. Have you ever heard of boundaries? Your girls invited me for dinner. I think you know my position on free food. <laughs> What's so funny? Nothing. Just, just all uh, very female. Well, what can I say? I have four girls. One that hates me, two or three that are leaning that way. You look perfect. And your face is big and plump. Oh, I could just eat you. My face uh, is plump? Oh, God. No, I didn't mean plump is in plump. You still looking for work? You're amazing. Tell that to your mom, we're even. I got the job. What job? With Denny as a production assistant. Oh, God! My lord. I know that on some level this is way too soon and not right. What's the other level? I dial your number ten times a day and hang up. You should marry her, Denny. I don't know. Your mom, she's... she's tricky. With you, Terry, with your girls, I feel like there's a big chunk of my life still left to be played out. Um, this is we, you, we have both gone on the record saying we love Kevin Costner, right? Yes, Kevin Costner is well, a great I, American. I don't know if Derek has said as much, but okay, fair enough. But I've just been present when you all have said it. So. <laughs> okay, so, so guilt by association. <laughs> but and Kevin Costner has a long history with baseball. Mm-hmm. So which of the old Kevin, like the original Kevin Costner baseball movies, which which version is is he now? Like, is this uh, Bull Durham Kevin Costner of the later years, or mm. is this uh, for the love of the game Kevin Costner? Or... I'm gonna get dirty with you. Uh, it's probably for the love of the game because he uh, in both films pitched for the Detroit Tigers, so in continuity it would be that. I didn't catch that he was pitching mm-hmm. for the Tigers. Yeah. It's probably groaning or or bringing up the menu. See how much time I had left. <laughs> Did you like that, Derek? He he asks a question. I give him a reasonable answer, and he still gets angry about it. He still turns it against the movie. And gives no a- actual feedback to his original question. Nope. No, none. This is your podcast. Do as you will. So this uh, film uh, that Hyra was groaning uh, through is the upside of anger from uh, an auteur, Mike Binder, that I believe Hyro's a big, a big fan of, uh, starring Joan Allen, uh, which I, I'm going to put out there, that's the reason Hyro's having such a negative reaction to this, is it's not Kevin Costner's movie, it's Joan Allen, and uh, thankfully a bunch of other 
white women. It's their it's their movie, not Kevin Costner's. So Derek, as a fan of white women, what did you, what did you think of this, <laughs> this film? Don't you bring me in with that statement. <laughs> It's stocked full of them. As Rick. you worship uh, at the golden calf of white women, <laughs> what did you think about this film? Can we talk about Strange again? Please. I um I felt like I was one of her daughters the entire time. Hmm. Which one? Because I just I've any of them because they're all getting beat to shit the entire movie <laughs> by their mother. And I, every, and every every scene I was like, oh, another moment where. This person's not being in any way really all that nurturing to me. You know, my father also left me. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, it, that's that's honestly how how I felt the entire time, um, or at least the first two acts. Where uh, was man? She's I, I get that she is you know pretty unhappy with her where she's at in life mm-hmm. right now, um, and the conditions through which things have kind of played out. At least how she perceives them to have played yeah, out. It's in the title, um, sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, but you know, none of her, you know, the, the, the her her support systems, or who you would assume to be her support systems, at, at least, uh, she can never view them as such, and so that they are just consistently just getting beat down the entire movie, and I felt beat down the entire movie. <laughs> so there you go. It's fair to say that both of you uh, have issues with uh, a grieving woman who lashes out in anger. Not palatable enough for either one of you. As a parent, shouldn't she at least... You know, she's got four daughters who may be suffering as well. You know, their father has left them and... Does the age play into it Great shame. Evelyn Richard Wood is supposed to be in, like, early high school, maybe? I don't know. I mean, she's she seems to be the sex. one handling it the best, too, of all of them. But mean, yeah, she's, she's making, like, uh, avant-garde films on her... Cathode ray tube TV or whatever the hell it is that nobody wants to watch and I'm trying nobody to cares. Uh, to fuck the gay out of a uh, a fellow high school student. Yeah, how about that? Uh, you know, where's woke? Uh, where's woke Twitter here? You know, trying to <laughs> trying to what are the what are those little schools that they try to put people to convert them back? Like those religious retraining schools. That's what's going on here. Hmm. How offensive. It's a little bit better when I guess Evan Rachel Wood is just offering up sex to you as a high school. Student, um, I like that you bet a gay man wouldn't say that as he sits there and he's like, I don't care how attractive you are, you're not my type. But yeah, I, never mind, go for it. Nothing wrong with it. I, <laughs> nothing wrong with it. I just was waiting to see how you know if Hyro was going to demand woke Twitter show up to this film from 2005. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you demanded woke Twitter show up to 1992's Boomerang, so it's a quid pro quo, my friend. Someone is salty. I am. <laughs> I'm not holding grudges. Uh, for those who don't follow the complete continuity of our podcast, switch over to Marcus Played to the Boomerang episode. Uh, this is somehow part two to that. Kevin Costner and Joan Allen is the sequel to Eddie Murphy and Robin Givens and Boomerang. I had seen this before. Uh, I didn't remember much about it other than uh, Kevin Costner kicks a bathroom door down when he's had enough of Joan Allen's shit. Uh, which I remember pissed. enjoying. I remember liking that quite a bit. <clears throat> and I remember um, that she's got a bunch of uh, attractive daughters and that somehow that would play into it. Now, 
I thought, Hyrule, you would have an appreciation with our crossover continuity that Mike Binder is the writer and director here, writes and directs himself into a part where he gets to sleep not with Joan Allen, but with one of her daughters, with Erica Christensen. And I'm watching this with my wife, and she goes, on what planet would this man would be able to pull that off with Erica Christensen? And I said, well, he wrote and directed this movie. And she just made this retching sound. And so I thought of you, Hyro. I thought you would appreciate the boldness of not an Eddie Murphy, but a Mike Binder that's like, I could play that part. I could do that. Production booth. This is where you and I will be doing a lot of work in. Okay. And then here, come on, I'll show you this. This is the live on-air studio. Arthur, say hello to my new assistant, Andy Wolfmeyer. Hello, Andy. This is Arthur Penhollow. It's a big deal here in town. Yeah. We're friends. He idolizes me, actually. The fuck I do. He does. Okay. <laughs> that was a joke. We're tight and we're good friends. Okay. So what is Andy short for, Andrea? Yeah, Andrea. Cool. See, I'm good with names. Yeah. Okay, I'll show you up the office now where we work a lot up there, too. Okay. Ever seen an Emmy in person? You've won an Emmy? A couple. Local, but who's counting? Actually, I have three. There's only two up there because one I keep for the hotel room when I travel. <laughs> to be fair, it's just Eric Christensen. You know, if hmm. you, know, you throw a little heroin into the mix, it's... Uh, Jesus. <laughs> Shout out to traffic. Man, that's, <laughs> that's a good time. I, I actually give uh, the film credit for this, for the fact that he is sleeping with this younger woman. Um, Preach. A much more attractive, mm. much more attractive woman. Because it doesn't it highlight the whole idea or why the mother would be so upset about this. It's it's the exploitation of like the power differential that exists yeah. between them. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, on no other planet would she sleep with him because look at him and look at her, except for the fact that he wields power and he maybe, you know, uh, he may be weaponizing that against her to get her into bed with him because that's the only thing that would make sense. And so maybe, you know, he, uh, you know, Mike Binder has that level of awareness of like, yeah, if I'm going to be uh, in this movie, I need to be the ugly guy who takes advantage of the pretty girl. So he's incredibly aware of his shortcomings. Kudos to him. <laughs> Kudos to him. <laughs> Kudos to him for writing himself as Harvey Weinstein. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and the, you know what? I will say this. You know, towards the back end, she, the mom confronts him. Uh, Joan Allen confronts him at the wedding. Or whatever it is, and he, and he puts up a, a decent rationale. He was like, "The reason I date young women is they're nicer to me." He was like, "You old bats, all you do is like you beat me down, slap me, you talk shit, you okay. you know you, you know he had yes, there's the hot aspect of it, right? There's the the looks aspect to it, but he's got like this emotional outpouring of they're just nicer to me, and okay, that's fair." You know, maybe not. Don't be Harvey Weinstein about it, but uh, well, you know, okay. at least that that brings me to what I thought. I actually thought you would like this movie, Hiro. I knew Derek would hate it. I'm offended. Um, <laughs> I I don't know if that's me having faith in you or having faith in Derek to maintain consistency. But uh, <clears throat> I actually really like the Kevin Costner Joan Allen dynamic, the central romance here, where he shows up at her door, basically to talk to her husband for a money scheme that would financially benefit him if they could uh, subdivide all the lots and, you know, turn their backyard into a complete 
suburban nightmare. And she's drunk. She's day drinking. <clears throat> he notices that, and he likes that. He's he's turned on by this. He's apparently always because had... he's also drunk. Yeah. Also drunk. He's got beer in his hand. And so this meat cute of sorts, he's like right on top of it. Like he's a man who knows what he wants. He's always... They, they allude to the fact that he's always found her physically attractive, that her husband sort of made a comment about it previously. Uh, but it's the day drinking that <laughs> I think gets Costner, where he has found a like-minded soul. And their first date is, can I just come in and quietly sit next to you? I won't talk. We'll just sit together and drink in the afternoon. Hiro, how could you, knowing you, how could you turn against this film, that guard, with the, the relationship starting off in that particular way? So now you're preying on my drinking habits. Is yes. this what you're doing here? Hira, yes. <laughs> <laughs> since you're drunk right now, how do you feel about this? Considering I like to make these episode recordings as early as humanly possible <laughs> so that I'm lucid for the recording because, you know, the talk, talk, clock is ticking. Super Bowl Sunday, so I know that, you know, we're we're already probably losing you to a certain degree. But you didn't get into any of the, the Costner aspects of it because – while I wouldn't say that it's a relationship I would want, I found him to be a very likable character in that regard. Mm. He is taking someone that she is presenting herself, as Derek kind of alluded to with the title of the film, as at her lowest, maybe most unlikable point, even to her own daughters. And this guy's into it. He's he's ready for anything she can throw at him. Until See, he kicks I think the that you're down. only capturing the one aspect of me, right? You, uh, Yes, I do like uh, partying and drinking the old vodka tonics at, at 10 in the morning. However... I do like uh, courtesy and decorum, which uh, Kevin Costner I, has none of. I right? don't like, like this side. Do you, Derek? I don't like that Hyro's dropped courtesy and decorum. I don't think it really exists. Like, I <laughs> will ask you, hey, would you mind if I come over and hang out? You guys got time to hang out? I'm not just going to buy the house next door and show up and just plop myself on your couch in your neighborhood. You know, it's, it's just a little, a little decorum, a little. You know, so you didn't like place. when he kicked the bathroom door down and said, I've, I've put up with That's a lot of your shit. That's an expensive door. So uh, your daughter asked me if I were going to marry you today. Please. It's a cheap shot. What do you mean? She's, um, she's adorable. Oh, she is. Wasn't a cheap shot, Terry. What? Bringing up what? Bringing up what, Pop? I said it wasn't a wasn't a cheap shot. I have enough problems right now, Danny. I don't need you using my daughter as a pawn. What are you talking about? I have a child incredibly ill in the hospital. Another one sleeping with a pervert that you brought into her life. So I don't want to get into something silly like a cute talk about a marriage that we both know would be doomed from the start. So you know what I'm talking about. Don't. I don't want to hear what Popeye said. No. I'm so sick of being your bitch. 
I put up with your shit because I know how much pain you're in. But it's enough! It's a tall order for a patient motherfucker, and I am the farthest thing from that that you're ever going to lay eyes on. You see that? That's going to cost a lot of money. He's going to have to sign a lot of baseballs to get that fixed. This is like the trashiest version of Costner for you, I feel like. Just kind of a sloppy, you know, disheveled drunk. And I don't... That's that's not that's not your Costner. So much no. so I don't know what that when he is offered sex in surprising fashion, they're talking on the phone and she's basically saying, like, look, the only reason you want to put up with my shit right now, because she's aware that she's abrasive and combative at this point in her life, is because you want to fuck me. And she gets him to admit that he's like, well, I mean, if it's on the table, then yes. And she goes, it is on the table. I'll be right over. I like that. <laughs> Costner's also self-aware of how slovenly he is, and is like, "This is not the, this is not how I want to present myself." Because part of the sex act is him. I think he wants to feel good about himself. He's back on the horse, and her coming over to fuck him in his nasty Hellcat room of just piss and just beer smelling cans. his own balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she steps on the oh, on the flashlight on the way in. The Oculus headset is get kicked over. <laughs> That's the thing is. You know, the, uh, again, let's, let's bring the entire uh, Denniston podcast, uh-huh. uh, cinematic universe here. His uh, there's name a is running Jared gag. Johnson. He likes sex yes. toys and Joan Allen, apparently. Yes, he does. But there's a running gag that uh, that uh, I like to uh, to pump him up, the, up, pump up the Hellcat for his disgusting ways. But when he brings it to the table, I shrink, you know, uh-huh. a little bit to the background. I saw myself in Kevin Costner here, right? You know, he's talking all this shit. She says, let's do this, you know, dives at him, spread eagle, and he runs into the yard. Like, mm, it's kind of, I saw myself a little bit there. I, I like that you have put Jared Dotson in the role of Joan Allen here. That That's the only way you could make it <laughs> make sense. Just two drunks hanging out on the couch. <laughs> yes, please subscribe to Sober Cinema. Um, I the, Here's the... the parts of the film I did not like. And like I said, I had mentioned that, uh, I mentioned to my wife, I'd seen this before. And so then when some crazy shit happens in the film, she'd be like this, you still like want to rewatch this. And I'm like, well, I, I forgot about that part. No, I forgot about that as well. So, you know, boomerang part two here, they mm. get to the end of this and they just start throwing haymakers at you. Like, Spoiler alert for this, for the woke Twitter crowd that Hyro's calling down the thunder on Mike Binder's 2005 film, The Upside of Anger. They reveal that the husband did not leave the family, which it's pretty much predicated on Joan Allen refusing to reach out or even like be concerned about where he is, that he can be gone for this long a period of time. He fell into a well. This is an episode of Lassie where he's walking in the backyard of this property that I guess he wants to develop and uh, falls into a well and dies. And then we have to like untangle all of this. And I don't know, Derek, how long does it take? It's like 10, 15 minutes after this reveal. Well, as I was fast forwarding through that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, part, it was actually like three seconds. minutes on the 2x speed that I was watching it at. <laughs> but, you know, in all seriousness, uh, that really took me out of whatever percentage was already, you know, kind of out of this film. I, I almost felt like I had just missed like a chunk of the movie somehow. 
Um, because how in the world, in, in in any sort of real way, could you have a situation where a spouse or where you think a spouse has just like up and moved away and has left you for someone else? And you've not done like even a stitch of research to, to find out if this is true or, or you're, you know, you have four daughters. No one's questioned it to the point where you're going, I don't know how far into the future before, you know, they, they end up finding his body. But how, I mean, how does that actually work? The in, money in, in remains sort of untouched. I'm assuming there's accounts where she would yes. be aware of like, oh, he's in a hotel. It's three years. The he's timeline here, yeah. is three years. Yeah, three years. Yeah. And not starting the sort of separation, divorce proceedings. He just walked. Your daughter's in the hospital and you don't call your husband. Yeah. Like, like you don't. I mean, most even if it were even if your your significant other did the worst thing in the world to you, right? Um, they moved to Sweden, but you have a shared child. I would wager to guess that most parents would still contact the other parent if they thought that child was going to die, um, just to give them the heads up. I can hate your guts, but I know that you share a certain affection for this thing that we brought into the world. This or maybe that's thing. just my vantage point. This thing, four right? beautiful things. Beautiful, beautiful things. Uh, white things, as Mike would call them. Uh, but she doesn't call. Like, n there's no one that even tries to make contact with this person for three full years. Let me ask you something real quick, Derek. Where where do you stand on the predictability of movies? Like, especially, like, say you're watching a mystery thriller and you know from the get-go the whodunit. Um, does that – are you one of those people that subscribes? Like, uh, if you know it too early, then – just kind of loses the luster of the movie because for me when when there's i'm not calling him like probably 10 minutes in the movie i'm like ah this dude didn't leave he's dead or he you know he shot himself or something like that you know what i mean like that it was just very obvious right. they played it so heavy-handed old mike binder Hiro leans into this guy must have shot himself because he was married to joan allen <laughs> <laughs> looking like a pipe cleaner <laughs> It doesn't bother me if I I have an indication of where things are going, um, but if I do already know how it's going to end, I want that journey to at least in some way be be interesting to me um, and enlightening in other ways. Yeah, and I'll I'll be honest, maybe it was because I I just thought, well, this is a fairly uh, uh, you know silly premise that no one's going to look for him. I just kind of fell into that trap, like whatever. They're disconnected for whatever reason. Uh, she's disconnected from her from her husband because she's so mad at him. She doesn't want to reach out. And at this point, we've moved so far beyond the 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 genesis of why she is this way now, which is him leaving. Like so many moving parts have happened with her relationship with Costner and her daughters. No part of me would have thought, oh well, you know, we're gonna you know strip all of that away and say, well, really, he died. Because that would be silly, right? It would be silly because all of these things happen specifically. The dynamics of her relationships were so greatly impacted because her husband basically said, you're not good enough anymore. I need a 20-year-old in Sweden. Wait, that's not what really happened? It's probably what I, if, I, if I'm her, I'm, I'm – yeah, like, like everyone's pissed in this scenario. But really they all have themselves to blame because they didn't even look for their father or their husband. Like no one looked. At all for three years. Such that, as that the power me. of Joan Allen, that she just, she dominates their ability to even have a connection with their father. Which, how are you supposed to read into it? Are you supposed to read into it that he was that absent, even in their life when he lived in the same household? 
that they didn't really have much of a personal relationship with him, or are they are they operating out of pure fear of this woman attacking them? She attacks them. Um, doesn't she have a moment with Carrie Russell where they're they're like having like a legitimate argument about her uh, career yeah. in life, and she doesn't want to talk about it anymore, and she comes back in the room and is like basically set you know make sure you still set that fucking table. Like she has to come back in and throw her Joan Allen weight around even more. And to some degree, the abrasiveness of the Joan Allen performance, it, I'll admit, Hiro, even having seen this before, I completely forgot about it just because because of her personality. I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he, he ran off to Sweden as fast as he could. Like he, you know, he, tr- he tried to get Evan, little Evan Rachel Wood through high school, but he just couldn't make it anymore. Like he, was, he had a ticking time of like when I can leave prison and uh, just couldn't do it. And so it, it sucker punched me again. And that's when my, my wife, who had, for the most part, been okay with the movie, uh, it was just a bridge too far. Finding the did, husband in the well was, all right, this is this is ridiculous. It, it, do they ever say allude to that she starts drinking because she left her? Or was this always the case? You know what I mean? There's, the, there's a scene where one of the daughters uh, was essentially like, you know, she wasn't always a bitch. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> what she's saying. But they're um, not saying she, she wasn't always a drunk, right? So right. Maybe right. Her husband was like, oh, man, enough of uh, enough of this sauce at six in the morning, you know. Um, I find women to be quite delightful drunk, Iroh. So I would have been fine with it. I wouldn't have went to Sweden. Joan Allen's, uh, you know, she's got everybody wanting to have sex with her for a reason. I mean, Chip bumps into her at the liquor store. He makes a run like, at it. Get... Yeah. 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 I mean, every man, really, One of the we dumbest, should be blaming her for making dumbest decisions what is this? Uh, for him. I mean, just like, I, I'm, I'm a Joan Allen fan too. Maybe not to the extent that Derek uh, has just put out there, but this guy, <laughs> why would he want to go back into the lion's den? Like Hiro apparently was very touched by his speech that <laughs> college chicks are just sweeter. <laughs> yeah, man. They're just nice basically say they're dumber. They don't have any, they don't know, they don't have any level of discernment. They don't know that I'm a cheapskate or that I'm disgusting. But Hiro sees that as no, he's, he's just very thoughtful about his tastes. And there's nothing wrong with having tastes, even if they're not very diverse. Right, Mike? So it's, it's Redhead, perfectly fine. Blonde, brunette, Redheads. you got them all. In this, very, you know, those Joan Allen uh, DNA goes a long way. Apparently, um, I have a question for you, just both of you. Uh, I mean, specifically about this movie, but I guess you could take it more broadly. Because I, I read that apparently this script like was rejected by studios left and right, and they had I to wonder do why independent financing. Uh, that's that's mean, but I also kind of agree with it, Hiro. Because I think if you're asking someone to back up a rom com. With Kevin Costner, Joan Allen, that's fine. Okay, we're going to put four of her attractive daughters in here so we can cast some young people. All right, cool. Uh, it's about this woman who even her own family despises. And we're going to reveal that her husband has been in a well for three years and she's not bothered to check his whereabouts. And not only that, but she is cruel and insulting to a man who is very patient with her and Kevin Costner, our, our male lead. This movie really pushes your buttons and probably your boundaries as an audience as far as your rooting interest for your your two main above the title stars to fall in love. Usually that's what you're there for. No matter how much how many like sort of cat and mouse games they play as far as like will they or won't they or there's like a breakup sequence, all of that, you still have that investment that you're like, I want to see those two people fucking be happy. 
And I think this movie really pushes that. It, it almost is like trying to test you to see if you really were going to stick with it and root for these two people to be together. I know Hiro instantly did not want any part of this. So Derek, I mean, is there any point in the film where you want Kevin Costner and her to like find some measure of happiness, whatever that happiness can be, whether it's just, you know, being a raging alcoholic or not in the afternoon. I think more for me, uh, there's a certain level of apathy about their relationship, mostly because I feel like she needs to get her own shit together before she can actually engage in any sort of uh, committed, happy, uh, you know, uh, romantic relationship for the long haul. Right, like she's got a lot of stuff going on with her um, alcoholism and her, you know, shame and, and regret probably that she has about how she really ultimately does treat her her daughter so poorly. Um, and so, you, you know, if you're if you're rooting for Costner here, it's almost like, man, you should have just kicked the door down and then went home. Like you're, I don't know if you're if you really want to put up with this while she is so. Um, you know, emotionally compromised. Are you saying he's an, um, an enabler of some sort here of this particular? Because he will put. He's got to have her. some. He's got to have some serious skeletons in his closet. If he's a, if he's making money off of his signature, he's a very famous retired baseball player who has a radio show, and this is the best you can do. Some <laughs> drunk old hag who, just, who, who is nothing but mean to you. Maybe he's just so drunk. It's a proximity thing with him. You know, this is just the closest, easiest thing I can get. Like, what is the skeleton in, in Kevin Costner's closet where this is the best a famous baseball player can do? I think I will say from his, you know, that's that's incredibly cruel of you, Hiro, but I will say that. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Which, which part is incredibly cruel? <laughs> Drunk hag. Drunk old, old hag is the best you can do. <laughs> Joan Allen, movie star. Um, I would say that one one shade of his personality that is revealed through his professional life is that he refuses to talk baseball. He doesn't want, and I think that he, I agree with you. He probably could pull like a Mike binder here and find someone that just wants some, wants to be close to, uh, some element of fame. Even if his is dwindling, you know, they, they want to proximity to someone who is, was a star at one point, but I think he, you know, he's, He's also combative, not to the extent that Joan and Alan is as far as on a personal level, but he refuses to talk baseball. He mm. just wants to not be a part of that world anymore. And I think to some degree, I don't think they're explicit about it. He likes her because she doesn't seemingly have much respect for his, uh, his previous life that he is pretty far removed from now. Like he is, he's not uh, a celebrity or star. He's living in filth and just, you know, signing balls out of his garage I think he finds that attractive that she really doesn't put him on any sort of pedestal. I know you wouldn't agree. It's also like escapism for him. He can get away from that, that life that he feels some type of way about sadness that it's over regret, whatever. But when he looks at her and all the stuff she's got going on in her house with her daughters and her problems that she has, he can kind of envelop himself in that. Right. And so uh, whatever personal issues that he may have, he doesn't have to worry about them because she's got so many of her own. Uh, it's probably fair. Um, was he a reliever? I do wonder how. Do what? Was he a reliever? Is he a reliever? Did they ever say? Because I, I was also like putting that on him. That's like, oh, he, he must have been a closer in baseball. He comes in, the base is loaded. He likes, he likes the stress, he likes the daughters. Uh, and the mom's screaming at each other. He likes to come in a uh, high-pressure situation yeah. and, hey, how can I clean this up? How can I 
settle everyone down. Yeah, he, he does. He, he really does. He succeed at that. He doesn't succeed at so. all. He he proffers some advice of like, hey, you should go talk to Carrie Russell. And Joan Allen basically says, shut the fuck up and go home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he keeps the bed warm. I mean, he succeeds at that, I guess. You know, I take it back. I can see why Hiro hated this because it is Costner purely being used for sex and then being told to be quiet and go sit in the corner and mind his own business. Make me another drink. <laughs> I mean, is that what you'd use Costner for if you were in your real life? <laughs> well, I wouldn't tell anybody. Warm my bed and make me a drink. <laughs> Fair is, enough. This has been the upside of Anchor. That's uh, Hiro. <laughs> And his fantasy back into a corner again. <laughs> I do. Uh, here's a question, and I know I already know your answers. I, I kind of do, at least, or I'm assuming, but still, I'm going to ask. Uh, is, is there any way this film works better if uh, you know Joan Allen still plays you know the role of the old drunk, but this is more like a May December romance with a with a younger co-star mm. than Costner? How how would that make this movie different? Wait in, a minute, like someone who mind? was like friends. With like one of her daughters, and then for some, or maybe somewhere in between those two ages, they did so, that in. So, so, uh, there's a Reese Witherspoon movie that did that where she's dating a younger man, and oh she's God. got the kids. Yeah, that, I think that's uh, probably a better. You know, you have Miles Teller come over and be the kind of drunk yeah, high guy. I like this. He's the drunk yeah. high guy who's way more fun, but she's still crotchety, and and you know has something negative about everything. But under all of that, she finds a level of interest. In this guy because he's youthful. What and, would he be getting and, out of it though? What do you think a younger man? I mean, would he be? Would he like being told to shut the fuck up and make another drink? Like I, I don't know. I can see the older woman aspect of it. I don't know if I can see that with her brood that she's still got in the house. That's a lot to handle for someone guy. to buy his alcohol for him because he can't. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's fifteen. <laughs> Alright, we should have wrapped this up earlier. I tried to, but Derek took it to a darker place. Uh, Hyro, where can people find you? And I guess Derek as well, uh, talking about uh, women dominating men. We just did an episode. That's right. That. Yeah, they just go look at Marcus Plate. How about that? That's the it's soon to be the magnum opus of uh, of uh, the podcasting world. I would not put it past the two of you to, after we hang up, you all call each other again and do another hour on Boomerang, like a minute-by-minute <laughs> minute reaction. And then when I load up my podcast feed, there's a four-hour episode on Boomerang. We could do one of those podcasts that does like a minute review, like have 20 uh, minutes on every minute. <laughs> God, I could do that. That's probably one of the few films I could really do that on. Mm-hmm. Little Terrible. bony tea right, action? Mike? No, no. <laughs> I do really like that guy talking about the nipple, though. I enjoyed that sequence for I don't know what what reason that was really. Weird. I figured your favorite would be the the director, the the guy who just can't be stopped from being a complete pervert. Like that guy would have been your guy. I didn't. Okay, I don't. Well, because we got. Oh, well, look, I told you at ten thirty. It's ten twenty nine. So just very quickly, the only one question I have about Boomerang that wasn't in was Eddie Murphy. I guess self-sabotages. But I actually thought he was trying to sabotage Robin Givens as well. Because he knows this guy is a pervert. And he's like, just do whatever you want. I thought it was going to be something that fell on mm. her head more than directly on him. So I didn't realize when we got to it when she was like, I saved your job. I'm like, whoa, I thought the plan was to make you look bad, Givens. So I didn't really understand the dynamic there. I thought he was being a little cunning in that. But he just was 
They're just full. He's just being emotional. Yeah, he was just self-destroying yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Which fits right into the, the narrative of he's now the beat-down dog, you know? I liked it. You liked it there. It you worked. didn't like it with Costner. <sighs> Costner didn't at least come in as a... It would have been cool if he'd come in as a badass first, but he stumbles in. I thought he was a badass. Shows up with the beard. I thought I was watching Garth Brooks. It just looked. <laughs> Is that the Garth Brooks when he went like rocker and he had like uh, like swoopy, <laughs> the Chris Gaines, the emo hair from uh, Spider Man yeah. Three? Jesus, I think it's Chris Gaines, right, Mike? I, d- I have no That's idea. A... I just uh, could just look over the record this... collection. The three of us in this conversation, I did not know that Derek was going to be the first one. That was the Chris Gaines period. I remember that. <laughs> it's usually a good piece of trivia. God almighty. When you're talking to the whites, I get it. <laughs>